also the fast track. After doing his couple of years, an increment man could ask for just about any posting he wanted and get it. It was a miserable, rain-sodden spring day. The clouds were lying low over the landscape and a harsh wind was lashing in from the east. Matt could feel it chilling his bones as he climbed into the jeep. There were three men in the back, Abram, Unsworth and Harton. During the hour's journey, they sat cleaning and checking their weapons, making sure they were working perfectly. When they stopped, Matram climbed out and motioned to the others to join him on the tarmac. The target's down there. Matt pulled the collar of his leather jacket up around his neck. His Smith & Wesson was tucked into his pocket and a hunting knife was slipped down his trousers. If anything went wrong, five SA-80 rifles were stored in the back of the jeep. War criminal said Matram. His name is Elvidin Yamakovich. Nasty piece of work. Mainly interested in cigarettes and heroin smuggled across the Albanian border. He can be prosecuted, but he won't be convicted because all the locals are too scared to testify. He paused, his eyes resting on Matt. So, it's going to be a fight back. Matt was familiar with the term from his time in Ulster. The technique was simple. You went in to capture the suspect, then you made sure he resisted. As you attempted to take him, he got shot. End of story. No trial. No lengthy jail term. And no embarrassing questions afterwards. Who goes in first? said Harton. You and Unsworth can make the initial entry, said Matram. Shoot down the door and go straight in. He held up a picture of a man in his early thirties with dark brown eyes and curly black hair. This is Yamakovich. As soon as you see him, tap him a couple of times. Make sure it's nothing too neat or clean. If anyone does an autopsy later, it's got to look as if he was killed in a struggle. He grinned. We don't want anyone thinking we killed him on purpose. Yamakovich's house was at the end of a mud track, a flat, two-storey box made from cheap concrete breeze blocks. Ready? whispered Matram, a step away from the entrance. Harton and Unsworth nodded. Then go! Two clean shots shattered the locks. One high kick sent the door flying open. Harton and Unsworth swept through the hallway, Matt and Matram behind them. Upstairs they could hear shouting and the sound of a woman screaming. The two men started running upstairs. In here! shouted Matram, pointing through the first door off the hallway. Matt held the Smith and Wesson tight in his right hand and turned into the sitting room. Empty. He walked through to the kitchen, empty, the bathroom the same. The sound of gunfire echoed through the house. Matt could make out the screams as the bullets tore into their victims. He started walking cautiously up the stairs, his gun in front of him. Yamakovich was lying on the bed, his mouth open, his hair matted with blood. His girlfriend was lying next to him, clinging onto a pillow, paralysed with terror. Matram smiled towards Harton. Nice job. You can finish her if you like. Harton yanked the girl by the hair, put his Smith and Wesson to her right ear and squeezed the trigger. The bullet shattered through her skull and hit the wall behind. That's not soldiering, thought Matt. That's murder. Matram walked across the room, checked she was dead, then looked back at the men. Right then, who wants to get clipped? One of us has to take a bullet, Matt asked himself. Why? 
Why is that necessary, sir? Christ, man, this is Bosnia. The place is under UN control. It's bloody crawling with social workers, international inspectors and CNN film crews. If none of us gets wounded, it won't look like there was a proper fight. Somebody might think we just assassinated the bastard. Taking a coin from his pocket, Matram tossed it into the air. Heads, Harton or Unsworth, tails, Abram or Browning. The coin landed on the back of his palm, and Matram glanced down. Tails. He tossed the coin back into the air. Heads, Abram, tails, Browning. The coin landed on his palm. Matram looked down at it. Then, his eyes sparkling with amusement, he looked back up towards Matt. Looks like you're the lucky winner. Roll up your trousers, we'll make it a nice easy flesh wound in the calf. After all, we don't want to hurt you. Matt held his ground. He didn't mind getting shot if he had to, and he'd been wounded three times, but that was in the line of battle. This was just public relations. Nobody needs to get clipped, sir. Matram walked to within a yard of Matt's face. Are you afraid, Browning? Matt stood rock steady. I just don't think it's necessary, sir. It's not soldiering. We shouldn't be ashamed of what we do. Matram stepped another pace forward. You don't know how to deliver a bullet, and you don't know how to take one. You're not increment material. You're a bloody coward. If you're failing me, sir, you're the bloody coward. You don't want anyone in your unit who might question your judgment. Matram's skin was flushed with anger. I'll meet you again, Browning, on a different battlefield. And then I'll teach you some bloody manners. Matt turned and walked from the room. He knew he wouldn't be part of the increment now. That didn't matter. He didn't want to be. But somewhere inside, Matt knew that his options were closing down. He couldn't be an ordinary soldier forever, and yet he couldn't turn himself into a Rupert either. My time in the regiment is coming to a close. The moment to start thinking about the rest of my life has arrived. The sound of glasses being clinked together and steaks frying on the grill greeted Matt as he stepped into the back room of the last trumpet. He pulled the sweat-stained T-shirt off his back, chucking it towards the pile of dirty clothes in the washroom. A shower and then a beer, he decided. The run had done him good. It had been a hot start to the summer along the southern Spanish coast. A five-mile jog along the beach had left him drained, but also sharpened up. That was what Matt liked about running. As you pushed your muscles, you also pushed your mind. In truth, there wasn't much to worry about, Matt had reflected as his feet pounded against the bone-dry sand. There was money in the bank from what he'd promised his fiancée Jill was absolutely the last job he'd ever go on. Their debts on the last trumpet were all paid off, and it should start making some real cash over the summer. And the house they were building half a mile down the coastline was almost finished. Stepping out of the shower, Matt wrapped the towel round himself and started searching around for a clean pair of chinos. And then he paused as he felt a pair of warm lips brush against the back of his neck. He remained still, letting her tongue tickle the back of his ear. Slowly, his hands moved backwards, pulling her groin closer towards him. Let me guess, he said, still not turning around. It's that little slapper from Reading I saw at the back of the bar, fresh off the Luton flight. We'll have to make it a quick one, babe. My fiancé's knocking about the place somewhere.
Jill gripped him tighter, her arms circling his chest. And what would this fiancé of yours say, she whispered, if she caught you with another girl? Matt chuckled. Ha! Chop us both into little pieces. Got a bit of a temper. Jill turned him round and kissed him on the lips. Her fingers slipped into the towel he'd wrapped around his waist. Matt buried his face into her neck, pulling her body tight in close to his. No matter how many times we make love, he thought, she's fresh and different each time. Maybe that's why I'm marrying her. With one swift movement of his hand, the strap holding her dress broke away. It dropped to the floor, and Jill stood naked before him. "'What's happening back in Britain?' said Matt to the two English guys at the bar. He'd hardly opened a newspaper in a week. "'Heatwave,' said Bob, an ex-army guy who worked as a security consultant for some of the Russian tycoons who had houses along the coast. "'39 in London, apparently. Couple of tube trains broke down. Hundreds stranded for hours.' "'Record jams on the road,' said Keith, looking up from his two-day-old copy of the Daily Mail. "'Then some soldier lost it completely.' started shooting people. Keith was an old London lawyer. He spent his time preventing some of the villains who lived in Spain from getting shipped back home. What happened to the soldier? asked Matt. Anyone we know? Keith shook his head. Can't remember the details. Some guy in Shropshire, uh, Engineers Corps, out a couple of years, I think. Topped his wife and child, then did himself him. Matt gazed out to sea. It doesn't matter what's happening at home, he reflected. We're a long way from it all here. When's the wedding, Matt? said Keith. September the 6th, replied Matt. Only two months away now. A full-blown affair...